0: Let's pray and seek the Lord for the word, for his word, to his people in his tabernacle. Our dear Lord and heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this place where we can come, Lord. And we can worship the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. We just thank you, Lord, for this people, Lord, that you have gathered, Lord into your tabernacle, Lord, to worship you, Lord. And we just pray now, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will move in power and authority in this tabernacle, Lord, and you will say, Lord, to your people what you will. Lord, we're here to hear from you, Lord, not from a fleshy man, Lord. Lord, let your name be glorified. Let your name be exalted, Lord. Let your kingdom be extended, Lord. We pray it, Lord, in the lovely name, Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And while you're looking up Judges chapter 6. I'll give you a wee rundown. On the book itself. Judges was written between 1090 and 1003 BC. Judges covers a time span. Of approximately 350 years. Of Israel's history from the death of Joshua. To the ministry of Samuel. The book warns against compromise with the ungodly and their idolatrous ways. A failure stemming from Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 2, chapter 17 and verse 2, chapter 20 and verse 17, when Israel were given clear instruction to rid the promised land of heathen peoples, which led to the idol worship through compromise. Each time Israel cried unto God, he sent someone in mercy to deliver them or speak unto them. But the cry had to go out from the people. A pattern of rebellion, retribution, repentance, and restoration. Sin spread like a disease. And with each cycle of apostasy, the people plummeted into even more cycle. And the depths of sin. Israel became thirsty in their desire. And pursuit for evil. Every man did that which was right. In his own eyes. When sin is not dealt with. It will rise even more. And it will slay a nation. When sin is not dealt with. The sin will slay the nation. But when sin is confessed. And mercy is sought. God will rise and God will save that nation. Sin will slay your nation. And I think sin is slaying Ulster. Sin is slaying Ireland. Sin is slaying Scotland, England and Wales. Sin surely in 2023 is slaying the nation. It's clear before your eyes. But in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to go through Judges, there's so much in it. And there's so much, whenever I've been looking at this and the Lord brought me to it, there's so much that he was saying to me. But we're here this morning to hear from the Lord and what the Lord has to say to his people. In verse 1 of Judges chapter 6, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. Seven years. Seven the number of perfection. And the Lord delivers Israel into the hand of Midian. This is stemming from the disobedience of God in Deuteronomy. Not following God's instruction. Not following God's direction. And now they're in the hands of Midian. Midian came from an Abrahamic lineage when he took Keturah as wife. And you can reference that in Genesis 25 and 2. That's where they came from. They were from the east of Jordan. And they would align themselves with others of the same mindset against Israel. In this case, the Amalekites and the children of the east. So who is Midian? Midian. Who are the Amalekites and who were the children of the East? Well, you can trace them to the Romans. You can trace them to the Nazis. You can trace them to Stalinists. You can trace them to ISIS, Palestine, Iran, and Arabia. That's how you can trace them too, if you follow the lineage through. So Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord, and Israel is given over. To Midian, in verse two and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. In verse two, Israel are nomads in their own land. What is a nomad? A nomad is a person with no fixed abode. No fixed abode. Israel are nomads in the land that they were given. The enemy took over. Israel were in the caves and the mountaintops. And the enemy were in the cities and the towns. Israel are in the caves. Israel are in the mountaintops. And the enemy have taken the cities and the towns. Israel has been given over to Midian. Israel is under judgment. In verse 3, and so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And in verse 3, the Midianites would let Israel sow. They would let them sow, all right, but when a harvest was come, they would take the harvest. And you can be sure, brother, and you can be sure, sister, that when God is going to move upon a man or a woman, and God is going to move upon a church, and there's a harvest of souls to be reaped, there will be chaos before it. Because the enemy not happy. They let you sow all right. But when God goes to move, and there's a harvest to be reaped, the enemy will be at these doors. And I've seen it. In the past already. The enemy will be at the doors. When you go to reap a harvest. In the verse 4. And they encamped against them. And destroyed the increase of the earth. Till they come unto Gaza. Gaza the north of Israel. There was nothing for them. And left no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep. Nor ox, Nor ass. There was no sustenance left. There was no food. There was nothing left for Israel. It says in verse 5 of the chapter that they came in like grasshoppers. The Amalekites and the Midianites came in like grasshoppers. And if you've seen pictures of grasshoppers, they come in in their droves and they take over the land. And by the time they've left the land, there's no crops left. Scriptures say that they come in like grasshoppers and there was no sustenance left for Israel. Israel are in the mountaintops. Israel are in the caves. Israel has sown, but the enemy will reap. The enemy has taken the towns. The enemy has taken the villages. The enemy has taken the cities. Israel is in the caves. Israel is in the mountaintops. And there's no sustenance for Israel. Israel has nothing. Israel has nothing. The enemy, the enemy has come in like grasshoppers, and the enemy has taken over. In verse six, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried, cried unto the Lord. Israel has been brought exceedingly low to an extreme degree. Israel has been brought exceedingly low to an extreme degree before they cry out unto the Lord. How low? I have a question. How low will Ulster have to go? How low will the United Kingdom have to go? England, Scotland and Wales and the Republic of Ireland have to be brought before the cry goes out, Lord, save us. How low? Can we go much lower? Can we go much lower? I have a question. I don't think so. The stance of the sin in the United Kingdom is in the nostrils of a holy God. And we have been given over to the Midianites and the Amalekites. And we are hiding in the mountains and the caves, and there's no sustenance. And the enemy has come in like grasshoppers. Is it not? This is 2023. This is the United Kingdom. It's before your very eyes. Given over. Given over because of the sin. The enemy is a result. Of Israel's choices. If God's people are being judged or chastised, it's because of your choices, nobody else's. You choose what way you want to live your life. You choose what way the nation wants to go, like it is now, and your choices will dictate what God does. Israel's choices have led Israel to be in the state that they're in. There's a darkness. And there's a desperation in the land over these isles, is there not? There's an antichrist spirit because I can feel it and I can sense it. There's an antichrist spirit over these isles and there's an antichrist spirit sweeping across this world and there's a desperation like I have never seen before. There's a darkness that I have never seen before. In the land. Souls are at a low. Never witnessed or felt before. 2023 in the United Kingdom. Seven years of persecution but Israel holds on tight. They hold on tight to their sin. We'll sort this problem ourselves. Well so that ourselves don't worry about God. They would rather live in the caves and the dens and the mountain tops than repent. Is it not so? Is it not so that God's people would rather live in the caves and the dens and grip on tight to their sin than repent and seek God who is the answer to the whole thing? The cry goes out. But the cry goes out and it's not even because of their sin. It's because they've no food. So they're still not there. The cry does go out, yes. God save us, help us. But it's because they're under persecution and they've no food. They haven't got to the point where why the persecution is there in the first place. They haven't realized it yet. It's because of their sin. And it says later on in the chapter that the Lord, it says in verse 8, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel and the prophet is unnamed. And the reason the prophet is unnamed is very simple. He's not important. It's the message that he brings that is important. He's in touch with God. He brings the message to the people. The prophet's not named. You don't need to know his name. You just need to know Jesus' name. And you just need to know who's bringing the message. It's a message from God. It's God's message through the man. The man's the vessel who brings the message. The man's not important. It's God who's important. And it's what God is saying to his people this morning that's important. Look to God. Listen to what God is saying. Forget about the vessel. Forget about the man. He's not important. He's just a messenger. The prophet's not named because he's not important. He's bringing the message from God. That's the most important thing to God's people. And Proverbs 29, Proverbs chapter 29. And verses one and two, and it says this: "He that being often reproved, reproved, hardeneth his neck. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and not without remedy." Israel kept hardening their necks, seven years of hardening the neck. And you know what that speaks of that verse? It speaks of a farmer with his oxen. And the ox the farmer wants the oxen to plough this road. And the oxen go, No, we're going this road. And the oxen harden their neck. And it doesn't matter what the farmer does or the master does, and it doesn't matter how much he says to the oxen, or he touches them with a stick, or he whips them with a stick, or he chastises them with a stick. It doesn't matter how many times they're reproved. It doesn't matter. The farmer is saying and the master is saying, you need to go this way. And the oxen are saying, no, we're going this way. And they harden their neck. That's what that verse means. They harden their neck. God's people harden their neck. And God says, you need to go this way. And the people say, no, I'm going this way. Seven years of it. And then they cry out, and they're crying out because of no food. And then the prophet has to come and say, no, it's not the food's the problem, it's your sin. This is happening because of your sin. You didn't follow God's laws in Deuteronomy. This is your sin. You have a sin problem. The United Kingdom has a sin problem. And what a sin problem it is. What a sin problem it is. It's a stinking stench. It's a filthy, stinking stench. We have got right down and we're scraping the barrel. Scraping the barrel. We're right down in the gutter and your nose is right on the floor of it. That's the United Kingdom today. In the second verse of Proverbs 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear through, the people mourn. And boy, are we mourning. We are mourning. We have got a terrorist party in government now. And the biggest party in Ulster. They're dripping with blood. Not only are they dripping with blood from their hands of their butcher's campaign, they're dripping of blood with the womb. They're passing laws that are treacherous and an abomination. But they rule the roost. And God's people are in the caves and God's people are in the mountains. Is it not so? Is this not an Ulster in 2023? I think so. I think it's plain for all to see what we're facing. In verse 8 of the chapter, in Judges chapter 6, the prophet speaks. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, I brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drove them out from before you, and gave you their land. And he said unto you, and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. What's he saying? In verse 10, I am. He says, I am your God. Israel's first responsibility was to obey the one true God with whom they were in covenant with. I'm your God. We're in covenant. Your first responsibility is to obey me. Fear not the gods of the Amorites and don't worship other gods. I am your God. Capital G. I am a covenant with you but you've turned your back. And the result of the land the way it is now is because of your choices. You did it. Why would God allow this? Why would God allow that? load of rubbish. A load of absolute garbage. The land is the way it is today because of the choices of the people. That's the way they want it. That's the way they want it. They made the choices. The land is the way the choices were made. And God lets it be so. In verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizorite and his son Gideon, thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord, now this is a Christophany, a pre-incarnate son of God. And how do you know? Very simple. In verse 14, it says this, in the verse 14, And the Lord looked upon him, it also says in verse sixteen, and the Lord said unto him. So that's how you know. So there's an angel has appeared unto Gideon, and it's a Christophany. It's the Lord, and Gideon's thrashing wheat in the wine press. Now the wine press would have been low, but why is Gideon thrashing wheat in the wine press? Because he's hiding the wheat. He's hiding the wheat from the Midianites. Threshing the wheat would have been done in the field where the wind's blowing or on a hilltop. And you would take the wheat, put the shovel in, throw it in the air, and the wheat would fall into the baskets and the chaff would blow away. And that's what God's doing to the church in 2023. He's blowing out the chaff. He's throwing the church in the air and the chaff's blowing away. And the wheat will fall to the baskets. The blood washed will fall into the baskets. And the chaff will be done away with. And then the Lord will move. Then the Lord will move. The Lord's getting rid of the chaff. There's a lot of chaff that's went this last couple of years. Blown away. When the first sign of trouble came. One minute of soldiers, Christian soldiers. And then the trouble came and you couldn't see them for dust. That's true, I saw it. You couldn't see them for dust. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, an oak which was an ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizurite and his son Gideon, thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now Gideon's in the winepress. Now it doesn't say Gideon's hiding. It says he's hiding the wheat. But he's in the winepress and he's hiding the wheat from the Midianites. Because at the same With the wheat, they'll probably take it on. And it calls him an angel of the Lord. Says unto him, "Thou mighty man of valor." And he's thrashing the wheat in the wine press. Mighty man of valor. Gideon's name means one who cuts down, or in the Hebrew, it's Gideon, which means great warrior. But this is the difference. It doesn't matter what Gideon's name is or what it means. Because it's said in the verse, The Lord is with thee. That's what matters. That's what matters. It's not Gideon's name that matters. Although that's what it means. What really matters is the rest of it. The Lord is with thee. And the Lord is with Gideon. And now things start to change. In the land. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, listen to this. Why then is all this befallen us? You would think he would know by now, wouldn't you? You'd think he you would cop it on. Why is all this befallen us? Why is all this befallen us? And were be all his miracles which our fathers told us of saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. See, there's where he's wrong. The Lord hasn't forsaken him at all. The Lord hasn't moved. It's Israel that has moved. It's Israel doing the forsaken. It's Israel doing the sinning. The Lord hasn't moved at all. He brought in the Midianites to chastise them, to get them to waken up. Waken up. Look at the land. This is your choice which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him. And the Lord looked upon him. Everything's changing now for Gideon. And everything will change in the land. Because the Lord has came to Gideon. And the Lord has said, I am with you. Now he says, he comes to them, and he says, and the Lord looked upon him. See, that's where the strength comes from. The Lord's with him, and now the Lord looks upon him. The Lord is with him, and the Lord is looking upon him. Go in this thy might, he says, my strength, my might, in. For I am with you. What a look that was. That was a look that took Gideon out of the wine press and made him get his armor on. It took him out of the winepress and it made him get his armor on. In verse 14, go on to 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Now the Lord has just told him that he's with him. The Lord has just told him he's looked upon him and he says, mighty man of valor. You would think that would be enough. But then the excuses start. Here's Gideon. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? You've just been told. You've just been told, Gideon. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely... I will be with thee. There's more reassurance. Gideon is looking reassurance. He's had three reassurances already. Three. But as it goes on, and it transpires, that he wants even more. He wants even more. Surely I will be with thee. I'm going to skip on a wee bit. In verse 17 to 24, Gideon presents a present to the angel. Gideon presents a present to the angel and he presents a broth. And I want to skip on for time's sake and I want to go down to verse 25. Verse 25. And it came to pass the same night. So Gideon has a conversation with the angel. He's been given reassurance and he's given him a present. It was the broth and a cake. And then the angel departs and then Gideon starts to act. And in the verse 25 of the chapter, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. So where does this start? Gideon's been given his instruction. Gideon's been told that the Lord is with him. But where does it start? Where does Gideon have to start? He starts in his own house. It says it here. He starts in his own house. And throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath. Gideon, you need to start in your own home. Any altars in your own home? Get in, out. I'm with you, O oh, mighty man of valor. I'm looking upon you. Get in. I'm for you. Get in. I'm reassuring you. Get in. But you're going to have to start this in your own home. It starts, Gideon, in, in your own home, and cut down the grove. That is bad. It. it starts in his own home. He has to throw down the altar to Baal. That his father has. And the grove that is by it. Judgment starts. In Gideon's own home. Judgment starts. In his home. His father had an altar to Baal. And a grove. He's going with the flow. Can you see it? Gideon's father has an altar to Baal and a grove. And he's going with the flow. And he's saying, you know, this is the way it is. Let's just keep the head down and I'll tell you what I'll do. sir. I'll worship the other gods as well. And and I'll, I'll worship the Canaanite religion. There's too much going on. They're coming in like grasshoppers. They're taking over the land. I'll just keep my head down and I'll go with the flow. And I'll not rock the boat. The time's gone for not rocking the boat. The boat needs capped. The boat needs capped and everybody in it to get a good cold wake up. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to tip the boat over with everybody in it. I'm waking everybody up. That's what I want to do. Get a good cold dip. Get out of the boat and waking up. Waking up to the woke. Waking up to the rubbish in this land. When will God's people cry out? When will God's people fast and pray? When? I'm weary of it, weary. I have nothing in common with this, this world at all, nothing. The closer I get to God, the more I wish he would come back. There's nothing in common in this world for me. I'm sick and so in have of it. It makes me vomit. It makes me sick. And I'm a fleshy, hell-deserving sinner, saved by the grace of God. How much more does it make God sick? He's thrice holy. He's thrice holy. Baal was a false god to give prosperity and reign. And the grove beside it was the goddess Asherah. And she was meant to give, bestow abundance and protection. This is what's going on in Israel. This is what's going on in the land. They're worshiping other gods. Keep the head down. Things are too dangerous. Everybody's going with the flow. Just build your altars and and just keep the head down. It'll be all right. In verse 26 of the chapter. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God. Upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. Now listen. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. What's God saying to get in? He says, Get in, do you see your daz altar? Rip it down. And he says, Do you see that? Build a new altar. He says, rip down the the, the altar to Baal. Build a new altar. And you see the wood of that grove. Put it on the altar that is mine now. And put the bullock on it. And burn a sacrifice to me with the wood from the grove. He's saying, build a new altar. Pull down Baal's altar. And take that Asherah pole. And burn it underneath the bullock. Build a new altar to me and worship God. He says, Burn the altars of the false gods and build a new altar. Build a new altar. Put a bollock on it. Take the wood from the false gods and burn it under the bollock and worship me. That's where it started. It started in his home. And Gideon does so in verse 26. I hear people saying, this is the way it is now. And this has been passed, and that has been passed, and the other has been passed. And just go with the flow. It's happened, it's over, eh, it's done. Rubbish. Absolute nonsense. When God is in it, when God is in it, anything is possible. When God moves into the situation and when God's people fast and pray and cry out and God hears and answers their prayer it doesn't matter what man says and it doesn't matter what man does God can change and transform this land. God can transform this land. England, Scotland, Wales and the Republic of Ireland if the people would just cry out and repent. How much do we need it now? For to cry out and repent, are we not at an all time low? Are we not? In verse 27, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, That he could not do it by day, but he did it by night. Now Gideon does this by night. Yeah, but he still did it. He might have done it by night, but he still did it. You see, Gideon's being reassured by God. And Gideon's grown. Remember, he's come out of the winepress. He's now went to his father's house. He's thrown down the altar to Baal. He's built an altar to God. And he's burned the Asherah pole. And he's sacrificed unto God. He might have done it by night, but he's doing it. Can you see? Can you see the steps he's taking? And it goes on. And he gets stronger and he gets stronger in the might of the Lord. He grows and he gets stronger. I'm going to skip down to verse 32 for time's sake. Verse 32. There was whole uproar. And I wanted to know who's tucked down this, this altar. The Baal. And in verse 32 of the chapter... We'll go 31. And Joah said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? That's, that's Gideon's father. Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death. Why is yet mourning? If he be a God, if Baal be a God, let him plead for himself. If he's a God, he says, let him plead for himself. Do you see the knock on effect this has had? Gideon pulls down the altar to Baal and now his father's speaking up for his son. Now things are starting to move. If Baal's a god, let him plead for himself. Verse 32. Therefore, on that day he called him Jeroboam. And that just means that Baal plead for himself. That's a nickname that he was given. Saying that Baal plead against him because he hath thrown down His altar. Verse 34 of the chapter. Here we go again. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. The Lord looked upon Gideon. The Lord called him a mighty man of valor. The Lord reassured him again earlier on in the chapter. But now he says... And this is where this is the difference. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. Now Gideon has came from the winepress. The spirit of the Lord has came upon Gideon, and Gideon reaches and he blows the trumpet, and he says, "Enough's enough. Enough's enough." Can you see the progression? Can you see what's happening? But remember, it's not because of Gideon. The Lord said that he was with him. It's because the Lord is with Gideon. It's not because of Gideon. In verse 34, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. And now the Lord is going to move and the Lord is going to fight. 36 to 40, it's, it's Gideon seeks more reassurance so he throws out the fleece. He throws out the fleece twice. He's looking more assurance. He's already had insurance. Four or five times now. And even though he's blown the trumpet. And even though the spirit of the Lord has come upon him. In verse 36 to 40. He seeks more assurance. By the, by the fleece. But a few verses of chapter 7. And then we're done. And this is this is fantastic. And this. I really focused in on this. And I want you to focus in on it as well. Chapter 7. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Harod, so that the host of Midianites were on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. So Gideon has blew the trumpet, and Israel has come. Now watch. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many. Gideon, you've got too many. For me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. The Lord says to Gideon, Gideon, you've too many. There was 32,000 here. 32,000. And that word vaunt means this. If I let 32,000 go to battle, or I use these 32,000, do you know what they'll say? I wish oh, we won the battle. We did it. And they'll vaunt themselves. They'll get a bit of a swagger. You know, What we great lads? That's what it means. God says you have too many. There was 32,000. 22,000, sorry. There was 22,000. Verse 2. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return the part early from Mount Gilead, and the return of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. 20 and 2,000 went, and there remained 10,000. So we went from 32,000 to the 22 were left. 22,000 were afraid and ran, and you're down to 10,000. So you had 32,000. 22,000 were afraid, and they ran. Can you see it? If you're afraid, you can leave. 32,000 goes to 22,000. 22,000 left because they were afraid. Can you see them just going over the hill? 22,000, all afraid. Can't do it. Can't do it. Left with 10,000. Verse 3. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying... Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. There's still too many, Gideon. 10,000 is too many. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall go not with thee, the same shall not go. And they were tried. The people were tried. The ten, 22,000 had left. They were afraid. 10,000 went for a test. And there was 300 left. You're now down to 300. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you? Buy the 300. (laughs) And I thought of this, church. Buy the 300. That's what I'll use. I'll do it my way, Glenn. And I'll use the 300. It's enough for me to work because I get the victory. I'll use the three hundred. The victory is won. The three hundred win the battle, and it says in verse twenty, three companies, the number three in the Bible is divine wholeness, completeness and perfection. three companies went, the number three. So the people took the victuals, that's their jars, and their hand and their trumpets. And they went in the battle. But they didn't have to fight. The Lord was going to fight. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man this is his final confirmation. He was told to go down into the enemy camp. And you know what was going on in the enemy camp? They were having dreams. But you know who they were dreaming about? They were dreaming about Gideon. The enemy were having dreams. Listen. In verse 7. Or chapter 7 verse 13. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream Onto his fellow, this is in the camp. They walked into the army camp where the Midianites were in the Malachites, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of the Midian, and came onto a tent and smote that it fell, and overturned it, that the tent lay lay long. A barley cake. They listen. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else. Save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. A barley cake. But where was the barley cake before? What was the present that Gideon gave to the angel? It was broth and a barley cake. It was a barley cake. And the dream was Gideon, you're the barley cake. And you're going to tumble into the Midianites and you're going to have the victory. A barley cake. He gave the angel a barley cake. And the dream is in the enemy camp. This is the enemy that's having the dreams. You see, you think there's nothing happening. But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers in high places. And you don't know what the Lord's doing in their minds. And the dreams they're having. You've no idea what the Lord's doing. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep seeking. Because the Lord's getting into the head of the enemy. The Lord's getting into the head of the enemy. We'll go on to verse 20. We're nearly finished. Verse 20 in chapter 7. And the three companies. The number of, the number of divine. Complete. And Perfection blew the trumpets, break the pitchers, and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands. Blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place. Every man stood in his place. Stand on your place, men. Because the Lord's going to fight. Stand on your place and don't give in. Be in the 300. If you're going to do anything, be one of the 300. 22,000 ran. 9,700 failed the test. If you want to do anything for the Lord, be part of the 300 and dig in. Dig your heels in tight. Be one of the 300. Stand your ground. Because the Lord's going to fight. The Lord's going to win the victory. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Even throughout all the host. The Lord set the sword. In the camp. The enemy camp. The Amalekites. The Midianites. When the pitchers were broke. The lamps were lit. And the trumpets were blew. The enemy imploded. They slew themselves. Confusion entered the enemy camp. And the enemy slew and they fled. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together. Now listen to this. We're nearly finished. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher. And out of all, Manasseh, I pursued after the Midianites. But you see, at the start, there was too many. There was 32,000 at the start. And the Lord said, no, no, too many. Down to 22,000. And then down to the 300, 10,000, then the 300. And if you've noticed here now, what has happened? You see, the Lord says, You do it my way. There's too many. I'll do it in the 300. But the victory's been won now. The Lord has fought, the enemy has dispersed, and they've imploded on themselves. And what happens now? The Lord says to the rest of them, now you can come in. I'm going to work in the 300. I'm going to be glorified in the 300. Do things my way. Follow my guidance. Follow my instruction. I'll win the victory. I'll fight for you. And then the rest will come in. Then the rest can come in. They came in here. They were told, you've too many Afraid. Failed the test. I'll do it with the 300. That's the way the Lord wanted it. But in this verse, they're back. Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, they're all back. And they're all allowed to come back. And they pursue the enemy. They pursue the enemy. Zechariah 4 and 6. Zechariah 4 and 6. And Zerubbabel was taken away in the Babylon. And he's coming back now. He was taken captive in the Babylon. And he's coming back now to Jerusalem. And he's looking to do a work for the Lord, and he's looking to rebuild the temple. Zechariah 4 and 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, this land's not going to be transformed by might. Or the might of this world. This land is not going to be transformed by a person. Although God can use a person. As he did with Gideon. It's only through the Holy Spirit. Will things change. It's only through a move of God. Will things change. God sent a prophet in Judges chapter 6. God raised up a man in Judges chapter 6. But God won the battle. And without God, it wouldn't have happened. So, what to do today? What to do, God's people, today? Pray and fast. Pray and fast and cry unto your God for the sorry state that we are in. It's the only answer. Not by might, not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. God bless.